I, I gave a title to this message this evening, and uh, the title is this, The Announcement of His Coming. We're going to specifically narrow the message down to this announcement that the angels gave of the coming of Jesus here to those shepherds that were out laboring in the field. And so we want to talk about the announcement of His coming, the announcement of His birth. And by the way, I think about this as I think of the announcement of His coming. I, 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 almost, get, I almost get mindful of the announcement of His coming when He comes again. You know, the Bible tells us that's going to happen in a moment, right? In the twinkling of an eye. And so I think of this passage of Scripture where the angels are announcing the coming of the promised Savior. And how that there has been a promise made to us that He will come again, right? And to receive us unto Himself that where I am, Jesus says, there ye may be also. And there's a promise of that coming and an announcement that is going to take place when the trumpet will sound. And the dead, the Bible says, shall be raised incorruptible. And that we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them to meet them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. There's going to be another glorious announcement of His coming that's going to take place, isn't there? But we think about this announcement that takes place at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's start reading in verse number 8 just to set the context of the passage. Although I know that many of us, I'm sure, are familiar with the Christmas story here in Luke chapter number 2. Christmas story, of course, written in Matthew and then also the book of Luke. And we see it here in Luke chapter number 2. And let's start in verse number 8. Of course, in verse number 7, the Bible tells us that she brings forth her firstborn son... She wraps him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger. There's no room for them in the end. And then we come to the story of the shepherds and then the announcement of his coming. And I want us to break down a couple verses here in this passage with this thought that the Lord gave me in my heart this week. Uh, just several days ago, the Lord started stirring this passage in my heart. And uh, 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 put together some thoughts that I hope will be a help to you today. I know the Lord's been, again, the last few days just really working this in my heart. And it's been a blessing uh, just even preparing and, uh, and thinking about what the Lord was doing in my heart to get it ready for you this evening. So let's look at verse number 8. I hope uh, as a result of that it will be a blessing to you tonight. It says in verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. By the way, I know we've already heard this before when we think about the Christmas story, but he didn't use, he didn't use any uh, uh, position of, of, of prestige to, to send this announcement to, but just these lowly shepherds, right? Just these humble shepherds that were out in the field doing their duty, doing their job, and God chose to use angels to announce the coming of the Savior to these shepherds that were laboring there in the field. And the Bible says this in verse number 9. And lo, and here's where we start our text this evening of the announcement of His coming. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. I, I'd imagine that we would all be in agreement. You, you can imagine how that this would be startling, right? I mean, we would put ourselves in this scenario tonight. You're out in the field, you're watching your flocks by night, and then all of a sudden the Bible says this angel of the Lord comes upon them, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. We can imagine, we can understand why the end of that verse says they were sore afraid. Uh, and then the angel gives them some comforting words though. And then it'll start us into our uh, thoughts this evening. In verse number 10, it says, The angel said unto them, uses those words, fear not. And I know we find that several times in the Christmas story. There's a little thought, those two little words there of fear not. 
But then let's get into our thoughts this evening. He says this, For behold, and we're going to read through a few of these verses and then let's come back to some thoughts. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Let's read a few more verses. He says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We're going to stop right there. Really, that's the end of the announcement of the coming of Jesus. The angels, the Bible tells us in the next verse, were now gone away. And the shepherds then go to visit Mary and the baby Jesus there at the, at the scene of the manger there in, in the city of Bethlehem. So the announcement of the angels. Let's go back, if you would, to verse number 10. And I want to take some thoughts that the Lord has put upon my heart here this week as we break these verses down, and I hope it will be an encouragement to you. Look at verse number 10. And by the way, most of the things that I'll speak about tonight are not going to be new for you as Christians. You're going to say, well, those are things I certainly understand. Maybe even simple, basic truths of, uh, are in our lives as Christians. But may they encourage us tonight. May we find encouragement from this passage tonight. It says this, And the angel said unto them, Fear not. Now here's the first thought this evening. For behold, I bring you. I want to pause there just for a moment at that personal word of you. Think about this personal message that the angels had delivered to these shepherds. He says, fear not, for behold, I bring you. Hey, these messages are, this message that I'm going to deliver, this announcement of his coming is personal for you as the shepherds. I've got an announcement for you, a personal thing. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 11. Look at verse number 11. For unto, what's the next word? For unto you is born this day in the city of David. A personal message for the shepherds. This is personal for you. Look at verse number 12 if you would. And this shall be a sign unto you. Again, a personal word there that's used for the shepherds to let them know that this message is personally for them. Can I say this tonight? The message of Christ is a personal message, isn't it? God has died for us, hasn't He? You know, I sang a song this morning on the bus... And uh, my heart just went to a little application that I gave to the children this morning. It was just, I guess, the Holy Spirit working in my heart at that particular moment. We sang the song. One of the children asked if, they, if we could sing, Jesus loves me on the way in today. Now, we have opportunity, of course, to sing every Sunday on the way into church. And sometimes we'll take spe uh, favorites uh, where they get to uh, pick a song. We were singing some carols on the way in today. Boy, it was fun singing the carols on the way in. And we even threw in jingle bells. Boy, that was a blessing, singing Jingle Bells. Had the whole bus singing Jingle Bells. That was a blessing. We sang Frosty the Snowman. Boy, that was a blessing this morning, some carols. But then one of the children raised their hand. They said, we want to sing Jesus Loves Me. So we were singing through that. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, right? Did you notice as you were singing through, or did you notice as I was, re I was, I was quoting those words, the lyrics to that song, there's some personal words that are used there, right? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves who? Me. Yes, Jesus loves me. It's a personal thing, isn't it? Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That's a powerful truth, isn't it? 
You know, I think you've often heard this said, but it is so true. If you were the only sinner that was on the earth, Jesus would have died for just the one, wouldn't he? He loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. This was a personal message that was delivered to these shepherds. And can I say tonight, that's the truth of the message of Christ. It's a personal thing. Isn't it wonderful that when Jesus spoke to your heart about salvation, he spoke to you personally? It's a personal decision that we make, right? We would, say, we would say that truth with anyone that we would share the gospel to. It's a personal thing that you have to do, right? You have to receive it for yourself. It's not saying, well, my grandparents were saved and my parents were saved, so therefore I know I'm okay. No, it's got to be a personal decision, doesn't it? We have to personally make that. And so that message that the angels, or excuse me, the angels delivered there to the shepherds, it's a personal thing. This message is for you. Can I say the message of Christ is personally for us, isn't it? But then let's go on in verse number 10. The Bible says this, and the angel said, and by the way, right before I continue reading, in just a minute, we're going to talk about, we're going to come back to that thought of it being a personal thing. So keep that in your mind, because we're going to come back to it, and we're going to be able to show you a thought of it being a, a much broader thing as well. So I think this will encourage you. Look at what it says, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you. Again, remember, it's a personal message. And then notice the next two words, good tidings. I bring you good tidings, he says. Now, how would we define the gospel? We would say the gospel is the good news, isn't it? There's, there's, we're stressing those two words, right? It is the good news. I'm thankful as a church here that we have opportunity to go into the public schools and we have what we call good news clubs. I don't know how many times I've shared over the years with the children since we started those back in 2009. I don't know how many times I've shared with the children the reason why we call the club the good news club. There's a reason why we call it the good news club because we're telling you the good news. We're telling you the good news of the gospel. I don't know how many times I've had people ask me, what are you allowed to do in those schools? Well, we're allowed to present the gospel, and we're allowed to present it very clearly. And we teach a Bible verse just like we would in a Sunday school class or a junior church service. And we'll teach a Bible lesson just like we would in Sunday school or the junior church service. We sing songs just like we would on the bus or in the service or in the Sunday school hour. We're singing songs. Then we're having an opportunity to teach a, a missionary story. Which, by the way, the missionary story a couple weeks ago spoke to the heart of the young lady that got saved right during the missionary story. She heard about how that missionary had trusted Christ as Savior. And she said, God used that to speak to my heart. And that young lady, uh, Naeli, came to trust uh, the Lord as her Savior. We told you about that a couple weeks ago. What's the name of the club? Good News Club, because it's the good news of the gospel, isn't it? The good news that Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again. What do the angels say to the shepherds? I'm giving you good tidings. This is good news. Now, I, I know you understand this. I don't have to say this to you tonight. There's a lot of bad news in this world, isn't there? A whole lot of bad news. But I'm so thankful that the message of the gospel has no bad news in it at all, does it? The good news that Jesus died. He loved us so much that he died for us. And he was buried and he rose again. And we're about the business of sharing that good news, aren't we? The good tidings here. He says, hey, this is good news that I have to share with you tonight. And I don't know about you, but I enjoy hearing good news, right? I know, again, there's a lot of bad news in our world. We could pick up the, uh, the phone and kind of scroll through the news that comes uh, by way of phone. Maybe it's, if it's the news that we're looking at on there, or maybe pick up a newspaper. Or The reason I said the phone is because most folks, I don't think, take the newspaper anymore. 
kind of get all the news there on the phone. But maybe it's the television, you turn it on, and you're starting to watch the news, and you see a lot of bad news, right? But the angel delivers the message. He said, this is good tidings. This is good news. Again, the difference between good news and bad news. How many of you ever heard anybody come up to you and say, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news? Anybody ever heard that one? i got some good news and I've got some bad news. Now, I don't know which way you would like the news shared to you first. Maybe you'd say, well, give me the good news first or give me the bad news first. But they say to you, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Well, I came across the story about good news and bad news I wanted to share with you tonight. And it's a story about two older ladies now, I don't want you to feel like in any way as I tell this story that I'm mocking the reality of heaven now. It's just a story that was told now. We're not mocking the reality of heaven, but it's just a little fun story that talked about some good news and some bad news. There were these two older ladies, and I came across this story as I was studying, and, and uh, there was one lady, and her name was Rosie, and another lady, her name was Barbie. Uh, they were both in their 90s. And Rosie was at a point where it was very evident that she was probably going to pass away soon. And uh, uh, so Barbie came and she would visit her every single day. And uh, Barbie had a request for uh, uh, Rosie as she was lying there on her deathbed and knew that she was going to be going to heaven soon, going into eternity. And so she had a request for her. She said, you, you know how much we enjoyed playing softball while we were down here on earth as youngsters? Oh, we just enjoyed playing softball. And she said, we, uh, of course, played in high school together. And she said, when you get to heaven, she said, if it is possible, somehow would you be able to let me know if there's softball in heaven? And that was the request uh, that Barbie made for Rosie. Well, Rosie said, if at all possible, we're such good friends. So if at all possible, Rosie said, I'll do that for you. Well, it was shortly after that, Rosie died. And a week later... Barbie was laying in her bed and she was awakened at night by a bright light and a voice that started talking out loud. And she said, who is it? As that, that light woke her up and that voice woke her up, she said, who is it? And, and the voice came back and said, it's me, it's Rosie. And Barbie said, there's no way it's Rosie. It can't be you, you died. And Rosie said back to Barbie, I'm telling you, it's me. And so Barbie said, well, where are you? She said, well, I'm in heaven. And she said, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Well, Rosie wanted to hear the news. So she said, can you give me, Barbie, can you give me the good news first? And uh, I'm sorry, Rosie, Barbie said to Rosie, can you give me the good news first? And Rosie said, well, I want to let you know there's softball in heaven. She said, uh, and as a matter of fact, she said, it's a women's softball team. She said, uh, matter of fact, all of our old friends that have already gone into eternity are here with me and they're on the softball team and we're getting to play every day because we're young again here in heaven. And she said, so it's exciting. We get to play as much as we desire. And Barbie said to Rosie, well, that's some exciting news. That's almost like a dream come true. And she said, but I got to ask you, what's the bad news? And she said, well, the bad news is that you're going to be pitching on Tuesday. <laughs> she got some bad news, didn't she? <laughs> You know, we're, we're, uh, you know, we're living in a world where sometimes we would hear, hey, there's some good news, there's some bad news. But aren't you thankful for the good tidings of the gospel? Think about what the Bible tells to us that the coming of Jesus has done. The coming of Jesus has brought us good news, hasn't it? You say, why was it good news? Because God came to man, didn't he? 
He came down here to dwell as God in the presence of man. Good news. Jesus coming and then dying and then was buried and then he rose again for us. So these tidings of good news or these good tidings, excuse me, that were given. Let's consider why they were such good tidings tonight. Would you consider with me tonight why the tidings were such good tidings? Now we understand again the good news of the gospel. But why were the tidings, why would we say they were good tidings? Well, number one, because God's word is sure. Would you consider this with me tonight? God's word is sure. And a promise had been made that he was going to come, was it? Hadn't it? A promise had been made. As a matter of fact, there were saints that were waiting for that promise to be fulfilled, weren't they? They had been told there was a Messiah that was going to come. A Savior was going to come. And they were waiting for the coming of the Savior. The saints had been waiting for his coming. And then would you consider this? There were some types that we see throughout our Bible that prefigured His coming. Gave a wonderful picture, a wonderful symbol, a wonderful illustration or a type of His coming. Uh, matter of fact, would you consider some of them with me tonight? Think about in the Garden of Eden when man had sinned. And when man had sinned, remember the Bible tells us that they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, right? But what did God do? God took an animal. And the Bible tells us he made coats of skin for them, didn't he? So that he could cover their nakedness with that coats, those coats of skin because now they were sinners standing in the presence of a holy God. Would you consider with me how that's a type of the fact that Jesus would give his life for us, wasn't it? A type that he would shed his blood for us and he would cover all of our sin and all of our wickedness with his righteousness. Would you consider in Genesis chapter number 22 where Abraham was asked to offer his son Isaac, wasn't he? And he took Isaac up to that altar where he was to offer his son. And remember, as they're on the way there, Isaac even says to his father, I see the fire. I see the wood. I see the, 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 the tool, the knife that's going to be used to slay the sacrifice. But I don't see the sacrifice. And remember what Abraham said to Isaac? God will provide himself a lamb. And then remember when Isaac was up on that sacrifice, the angel comes. Isaac gets out, down from that altar and he sees that ram that's caught in the thickets. A wonderful picture of how God would provide a lamb to be the sacrifice for our sins Think about when the children of Israel were uh, in, 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 in punishment as a result of their disobedience to the Lord. And the Bible says to Moses, I want you to put a brazen serpent on a pole and I want you to raise that serpent on the pole. And when they look at that pole, when they look at that brazen serpent that's on the pole, they will be healed. What a wonderful picture. We even sing about it in our hymnal, don't we? Look and live. My brother live. Look to Jesus now and live. And then in the New Testament revival in John chapter number 3, remember the words are said as Jesus speaks to Nicodemus there and he says, As Moses raised the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. A type that illustrated or symbolized or prefigured the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they were waiting for these good tidings. And they knew that God's word was sure and that he was going to keep his promises. Think about the ark. When Noah was asked to build an ark, and when they would get inside of that ark, it was their one way to safety. 
God had a door that was in that ark. And when that door was closed, there was no one else that was able to get in that ark. What a wonderful picture of the safety that we have when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we get into that ark of salvation and uh, rely upon Jesus as the only way. Just like the ark was the only way to safety, the only way to protection, and the door was the only way that could get in, we go through the door of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? What a wonderful symbol illustration, a picture of the good tidings that was to come when Jesus Christ would come to this earth. And then think about the Passover lamb as they would take the lamb, the, the blood of that lamb and they would put it on the side post and the door post of that house. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. We sing about that in our hymnal as well, right? When I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. There, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ was prefigured by types and symbols and illustrations all throughout the Old Testament of our Bible. So these good tidings were so good because God's word was sure. The saints had been waiting for His coming. There were types that had prefigured His coming. But think about this, the prophets had also foretold His coming. God's word is sure, right? He's going to keep His word. And so just like those types were a wonderful symbol or a picture of the fact that Jesus would come, He did come, didn't He? Saints were waiting and Jesus came. Prophets had foretold, had, 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 had for, there was a foretelling of his coming and Jesus came. Why are the tidings so good? Because God's word is sure. But what is another reason why the tidings are so good? Because God's ways are wonderful. Think about the way that God chose for his son to come to this earth. He chose to use a virgin. A miraculous birth, right? We would acknowledge that, a miraculous birth. That the Holy Spirit would conceive in the womb of this Virgin Mary. And because of God's ways being so wonderful, He was able to come. And the good tidings were now presented because of the Virgin that was able to give birth to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And then what's another reason why these tidings were such good tidings? Not only because His word was sure and it came true, and His ways are wonderful, and He used the virgin to bring Jesus into this world, but God's salvation is glorious, isn't it? His salvation is glorious. He was God, and yet at the same time, He was man. That's a powerful truth tonight, isn't it? Hey, let's ne never get over the power of that truth. His salvation is glorious. He allowed His Son, God allowed His Son to come down here and God and yet man at the same time. A babe and yet at the same time He was Lord of all. Oh, would you picture that tonight? A babe in a manger and yet Lord of all. A son and yet at the same time He was a Savior, wasn't He? Now think about this, how great the Father's love. That He would choose to do that for us. That's why the angels could say to the shepherds, hey, this is a message of good tidings. How great the Father's love for us and how wonderful the humility of the Son. That He would humble Himself and leave the glories of heaven to come down here to be with us. So we said in verse number 10, we said it was a personal message. We said it was a message of good tidings, but would you go on in verse number 10 and let's notice what we, say, what we hear the angels say next. He says, For behold, I bring you, again, a personal message, 
good tidings, and now watch this, of great joy. Not just, not just any kind of joy, great joy, right? The birth of Jesus brought great joy. Again, let's not get over that. Joy to the world. The Lord is come, right? He brought to us great joy. Can I say this? It's also an everlasting joy. A joy where once you've trusted Christ as your Savior, it's a joy that will never leave you. An everlasting joy. Can I say this? He is the only source of joy today. You know, we might consider today things that can bring us joy. There's been many individuals in the world that has reached out to things in this world that they thought would bring them joy, and it ended up being unsuccessful every time, hasn't it? Because the only source of true joy today is the joy that we find in the Lord. Remember in the book of Nehemiah, the verse was written for us. It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Again, he says, it's good tidings. There's good news I'm bringing you of great joy, an everlasting joy, and a, and a, and a Savior that's going to come that's going to be the only source of joy. And can I say this tonight? We have benefited by this joy. And as a result of the benefit of this joy in our hearts, May we be busy sharing with others how they can have this joy in their hearts. We have benefited from it. Now we need to be busy transmitting that joy to other individuals. Letting others know of this great joy that has happened as a result of the day we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Go back to that day in your heart when you receive that joy. We're... You had a joy that you now know is going to be everlasting joy. That Jesus, the only source that can give you that joy, gave you. Can I ask you tonight, do others see joy in you? Do others see joy in you? I hope you would be able to say that others do see the joy of the Lord in my heart. I hope that we can give testimony to that tonight. That others can see joy. Do others, because of you, know the real source of your joy? Do they know why we have joy? It's not about just somebody looking at us and saying, well, I know there's something different about you because it, you, you have the joy of the Lord. But, but, but to tell them why or what the source of our joy is, hey, there's a reason why I have this much joy in my heart. And it's because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Remember, the angels deliver the message. This is a message of good tidings, of great joy. Tonight, maybe perhaps... There'd be somebody that would sit here tonight and you'd have to say, honestly, I feel like I'm at a time where my joy has been robbed. Maybe you'd say, I, I don't know that I could say, I, I see a lot of joy in my heart right now. Maybe my, my joy perhaps has been robbed and it's been robbed maybe perhaps because of sin that's in your heart. I think back to what David said when he had sinned. He said to God, he said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. The joy of my salvation is not what it should be because there's sin in my life. Maybe tonight it's in just simple confession to the Lord and getting that dealt with so that we can have that joy in our hearts. Maybe you feel like your joy has been robbed a little bit because of circumstances that are in your life right now. We all have days in which we can go through troubled days, right? We can get reports. Again, we, 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 we jokingly talked a little bit about good news and bad news, but sometimes we can get some bad news, can't we? Sometimes that bad news and the circumstances that are surrounding it can have moments in which our joy is robbed a bit. Maybe it's because of disappointments. 
Maybe the things in your life that you, you would just say, it's just been a little bit disappointing. Don't allow our joy to be robbed. But instead, perhaps as David said, would you say to the Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation so I can have that sweet fellowship with the Lord and people can see joy in me and then they can understand the real source of which my joy comes from, the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 10 if you would. This is where I told you we'd come back to the thought about it being a personal message. Look at verse number 10 again. It says, And the angel said unto them, He says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, again, a personal message, good tidings, those are good tidings, the gospel's good news, of great joy, it's great joy, it's everlasting joy. Jesus is the source of that joy. Notice this which shall be to all people. Here's the comfort of that thought right there. That not only is the message of Christ a personal message for us as individuals. Remember, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. But remember what the angel says to the shepherds. This is going to be to all people. Great joy is going to be Everybody, everybody is going to have an opportunity to have this great joy. Let's think of some Bible verses that teach us of that truth. The Bible says, whosoever will may come, right? Whosoever will may come and have the opportunity to come to know Christ as their Savior. This is a personal message. Christ is a personal message. We have to personally receive Him, but it is a message that is for whosoever. Romans chapter 10 verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a message that is for whosoever. Jesus says the good, the, the, the news, uh, the, the good words to us there in Peter where He says that He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Jesus wants everybody to come to know Him. It's a message that is for whosoever. And He says at the end of the verse, which shall be to all people. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, I want you to be encouraged by this. We won't take the time to turn there. But in the book of Hebrews it says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for how many? Once for all. Once for all, Jesus sacrificed His life, shed His blood, died on that cross once for the sins of the entire world. Whosoever will may come. It's a personal message, but it's a, it's a, a Savior that came for whosoever. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 11. We continue the angel's announcement. We saw several great truths there in verse 10. Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Now here's what I want us to notice in verse number 11. I want us to notice three titles that are given for this child that the angels announced to the shepherds. Notice those titles that are given. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, number one, which is Christ, number two, the Lord, number three. I want us just for a moment to be encouraged by those titles that are given in verse number 11. First of all, the title of Savior. That is a title of acceptance. A title of acceptance. We'll get back to that in just a moment, but I want to say this tonight. Because Jesus came as our Savior, He came to save, didn't He? 
That's what he was as our Savior. He came to save. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Aren't you thankful we have a Savior? That title of acceptance. He came as a Savior to save those who were lost. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse number 17, For, the, for God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be what? Might be saved. God came so that the world could be saved. And as Savior, He has provided three things for the sinner. I told you we'd come back to this. Number one, we are accepted in Him. We are accepted in Him. Now you say tonight, how, how can I say that I am accepted in Christ? Well, it's not, based on, it's not based on who we are, but it is based on who we have put our trust in. I'm accepted in Christ not because of who I am, but who I have put my trust in. And as a result of being accepted in Him, that means that Christ received me into His family. Aren't you thankful that when you're saved, you're accepted in Christ Jesus and you're received into His family? Never to be rejected. You know, I think about individuals today, children today that are adopted into families and they might feel like the family that gave birth to them or their birth parents have rejected them. But then there's another family that comes along and they said, hey, we want to just, we want to just show you some love. We want to adopt you into our family. We want to accept you into our family. We want to receive you into our family. That's what Jesus does as our Savior. We are accepted in Him. We are received into His family. We are adopted into the family of Christ. But then number two... What does Christ do for us as our Savior? Not only are we accepted in Him, but we are delivered by Him. Now we talked about being accepted in Him means that we have been received by Him. When we've been delivered by Him, that means we've been forgiven by Him. Jesus forgives the sinner, doesn't He? And when He forgives us, He forgives us from that penalty of sin. We don't have to worry about suffering the penalty of separation from God for all of eternity. Brother Corey talked about it this morning, didn't he? There is a separation from Christ that, that awaits all of those who, who refuse to trust Christ as Savior and who reject the, 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 the gift that God wants to give them. But aren't you thankful that when Jesus saves us, He has delivered us from the penalty of our sin. We don't have to face separation from Christ. We know there's a punishment, but aren't you thankful if you've received Christ, you won't have to face that punishment, will you? And then He delivers us from the power of sin as well. We don't have to be under the control of sin while we're living on this earth as Christians. God's delivered us from the power of sin, hasn't He? And one day when we get to be with Him in eternity, He'll deliver us from the penalty of sin as well, won't He? Or excuse me, from the very presence of sin, won't He? Aren't you thankful for that day? We've, had, we've been delivered from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and one day in God's presence, even from the presence of sin. And boy, that's going to be a glorious day. And we think about all the sin that's down here on this earth today. We talked about all the bad news, all the sin that's on this earth. Isn't it great to know that one day we'll be delivered from even the very presence of sin? So what has God done for us as, his, as our Savior? He's accepted us in Him. He's delivered us, but then He's also preserved us, meaning that we are saved forever. We can never lose it. Hey, let's always remember that. So let's always be mindful of that. Let's take comfort in that, right? My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man take them out of my hand. Pluck them out of my hand. Isn't it great to know that we're in the hands of the Father and we are secure, right? 
We are saved forever. We are preserved by Him. So as our Savior, He accepts us, He's delivered us, and He's going to preserve us until the day when we get to spend eternity with Him. And then there's the second title. We gave you the title Savior. That's the title of acceptance. But then notice the second title in verse number 11 that the angels announced to the shepherds. The title of Christ. That is the title of access. We have the title of acceptance. We are accepted in Him. But then the title of Christ, that's the title of access. You say, well, what do I have access into? Because Jesus Christ died for us, we have access into the presence of God, don't we? And He is, the Bible tells us, He is our high priest. Our anointed high priest. And that name, Christ that's given there in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 11 is a title that refers to Jesus as the anointed high priest. We can approach the Father today, can't we? And not only can we approach the Father, but we can appeal to the Father. Would you take just a moment? These are such powerful verses. You have to see them tonight with your eyes if you would. Hold your place there in Luke chapter 2. And would you look with me to Hebrews chapter number 7. I want us to notice some verses here that speak to this title of Christ that's given in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 11. The title of Christ, the title of access. Look at Luke, uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 25. The Bible says this, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth. He ever liveth, right? It's an everlasting thing. He ever liveth. To make intercession for them. Aren't you glad that there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men? The man Christ Jesus. He is our anointed high priest and we have access to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our intercession today. Look, if, look with me if you would at Hebrews chapter 9. Look down at verse number 24 if you would. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 24 it says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for who? For us. Man, that is a powerful verse there in Hebrews chapter 9, isn't it? Let me read the last half of it again. He says, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Would you rejoice with me tonight from Luke chapter 2 and verse number 11 of that title of Christ tonight? We have access to God because Jesus is Christ. Would you look at 1 John chapter 2? 1 John chapter 2, let's notice what the Bible says about this title of Christ that we saw there in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 11. 1 John chapter number 2, look at verse number 1. My little children, he says. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. These things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin... Go to the priest, right? Go to the Pope, right? Go to another man, right? No, that's not what he says. He says, if any man sin, we have an advocate. Oh, can we rejoice tonight in that word advocate? He is our go-between, isn't he? He is the one we go to. He's the one that intercedes for us. He's the one that acts almost as if he was an attorney for us, where he can answer for us. And notice what it says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 
Now, why would Jesus be able to be given that title? Why would he be able to call our advocate? Why would we be able to say that Jesus can stand before God as the righteous one? Well, notice what verse number 2 says. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Here's the good news, that Jesus Christ is our propitiation. He has met the holy demands of a righteous God. And because he met the holy demands of a righteous God, he can be the advocate, the go-between between us and God to intercede on our behalf. So the title of Savior, a title of acceptance, we are accepted in him, never to be rejected. We are received into the family of God. And then the title of Christ, the title of access, we have access to that anointed high priest. But then the last title that we saw in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, was the title Lord, wasn't it? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now the word Lord there is a title of authority. Think about Jesus as Lord today. He is in absolute control, isn't He? He is the Lord of everything, isn't He? And by the way, He ought to be the head of every area of your life. He ought to be the head of our, of our lives personally. He ought to be the head of our homes, right? He ought to be the head of every area of our life. He is the one that's to get preeminence. He, he's not to have a place in our life. He's to have first place, isn't he? And he is the Lord. And as a result of being the Lord, it is a title of authority. He is in absolute control. And can I say this? He demands our obedience, doesn't he? There's a verse in the Gospels of our Bible and Jesus says it during His earthly ministry. He says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I command? If we're going to call Him Lord and He's going to be in control of our life, guess what? He demands our obedience, doesn't He? It is a title of authority. So as Savior, as Christ, as Lord, as we just read those titles of Jesus in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 11... Jesus Christ then is our Redeemer, isn't He? Think about those titles the angel gives to those shepherds. That makes Jesus as Christ, as Savior, as Lord. He is our Redeemer. He's able to deliver us from the bondage of our sin. He in our lives is the great, great physician, isn't He? He's able to heal us of, uh, the, 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 and help us with, with the troubled areas that we have in life. He is the great physician. He is the light of the world. The Bible says that Jesus says during his earthly ministry, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Aren't you thankful that the light of the world came as the Savior, which is Christ the Lord? The Bible says in John chapter 9 and verse number 5, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He is the light of this world, isn't he? And by the way, for the Christian today, he is also the nourisher of his people. The Bible refers to him as the living bread. He is the living bread. I'm the bread of life, he says. He's also the living water, isn't he? You picture that story of Jesus when he meets that Samaritan lady there at the well and he says, I can give you living water where you'll never thirst again. As our Savior, as Christ, as Lord, he is our Redeemer. He is the great physician. He is the light of the world. He is the nourisher of our life today. Aren't you thankful for that message the angels deliver? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then just for a moment, let's go to verse 12. He says, And this shall be a sign unto you as we finish our message tonight. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Now, you'll notice the angels gave, or the angel, excuse me, gave to the shepherds a sign. They didn't ask for a sign, but they received one. 
And they were able to use what was given to them to locate that baby, weren't they? Look with me if you would at verse number 13 and verse number 14, the last two verses of our text we read tonight. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, now let's notice as we finish tonight what they say in verse number 14. Let's draw just a few last truths from verse number 14 of this announcement of the coming of the Savior. Look at what it says. Glory to God in the highest. All glory goes to God, right? All glory for what happened this morning in the children's program goes to God. All glory for a soul that repents and trusts Jesus as Savior goes to God. All glory for anything we accomplish on this earth for the cause of Christ goes to God. May all of our glory go to God. Glory to God in the highest. Jesus came to this earth. Who gets the glory for that? Glory to God in the highest for the fact that Jesus came to this earth. And then notice the middle part of that verse. And on earth, peace. On earth, peace. Jesus brought peace to this world, didn't he? He is the peace bringer, isn't he? And he's the peace giver. Aren't you thankful for the peace that Jesus gives? The peace that Jesus gives to us, the peace that we have with God when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. The peace of God that we have as we go through the troubled times, the ups and downs, the valleys and the mountaintops of life, the peace that we have of God. But then the peace that God gives us to our own conscience. Aren't you thankful that we have peace in our own conscience as we've trusted Christ as our Savior? And then, this is the glorious thought of God bringing peace to this earth. The peace that we can even have with each other because we know Jesus as our Savior. Isn't it wonderful that we can have peace with one another because we have trusted Christ as our Savior? He's the giver of peace. He is the bringer of peace. And then would you look at the last thought that's written there in verse number 14. It says, good will toward men. Now what would we say at the end of that verse that meant when the angel says to the shepherds, good will? Well, the gift of a Savior is an expression of goodwill or an expression of love to the people to whom that gift was given to. You think about the love that was present as the gift God gave in the form of Jesus was given here on earth. And so that's why he says goodwill towards men. We as now we've trusted, and again, we're not trying to say that everyone in here tonight has trusted Christ as their Savior. We don't want to just assume that. But if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, we have, as Christians have been given, when Jesus Christ came to this earth, we've been given the gift of God's love, haven't we? God came down and He gave the gift of His love when He gave to us Christ. He expressed His love to us. Again, back to what we said a moment ago, how great the Father's love for us and as a result of giving that gift to us, then we have become the objects of God's kindness, haven't we? We are the objects of God's kindness. God showed His kindness to us. We've become the objects of His kindness. And so as a result of that, just as the angel did, just as now this host of angels did, He is to be praised, isn't He? Because of what He's done for us, He is to be praised. And at this time of Christmas, or this time of year as we celebrate Christmas, would we praise God for all that He's done? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill to men. 
He's expressed His love to us. We've become the objects of His kindness and all glory and all praise goes to Him. So tonight, would you consider the announcements that the angel gives to the shepherds of the coming of the Savior? And again, this multitude of angels that join in as well, giving that praise and glory to the Lord. This time of year, may we be grateful for what the Lord has done for us. May we be grateful for the sacrifice of coming to this earth. May we rejoice in the fact that He is our Savior. If we've trusted Christ as our Savior, He's our Savior. So because of that, we've been accepted and we've been delivered and will be preserved until we get to spend eternity with Him. He is Christ, which means we have access to God Almighty. He is our Lord, which means He ought to be in control of every area of our life. Is He in control of every area of your life? Do you have joy? Remember, there's great joy that came as a result of Christ. Do you have joy or has, tonight has something robbed you of your joy? Well, you may need to say tonight, Lord, there's circumstances in my life or disappointments in my life or sin that's kind of creeped up into my heart that I need to confess so that I can have my joy restored and tonight be able to give great joy at this time of year. And then think about the good tidings that we talked about, the good news of the gospel. May we, as God's people... Be busy giving out the message of the good news of the gospel to others that we have opportunity to give the message to. By the way, aren't you thankful that, that message was shared this morning? Aren't you thankful for all the hearts that heard the message of the good news of the coming of Jesus Christ this morning? May we be busy. May we be active asking God to give us opportunities to share that message with others that are around us. May we rejoice in the announcement tonight of His coming. Father, I pray that you would use the message tonight that you have stirred in my heart this week.